I need seven volunteers. Seven volunteers right now. I need. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Hands down. There's no way. I just showed you a fail video of Trust Falls, and you're willing to volunteer? I'm going to be the only one at the bottom, though. Is that so cool? Seven volunteers? You are crazy. You are, how many people, how many people in this room want to sue me? No, no, no. How many people in this room have ever been part of a trust fall? Okay. All right. New question. How many people in this room have ever been part of a trust fall fail? All right. That explains a lot. <laughs> yes. You're like, I, I, I was part of a trust fall once. Oh, did I mention I was part of a trust fall once? All right. Hit your head one too many times. Oh, you had to be there. Hey, but, but seriously, trust falls are wild. When you were a part of a trust fall, how'd you feel? What are some words that go through your mind as you're part of a trust fall? Scared. Yes, my seniors. Frail. <laughs> Immortal. Yes, good one. What others? What, how do you feel in a trust fall? Say it. Just say it. What? Nervous. But you could fly like a butterfly. That's a bird. Oh, shoot, yes. I'm going to die. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope this will not end in a legal battle. I say that every time that I step up here to speak on a Wednesday night. I hope this doesn't end in a legal battle, which is why I will not be doing a trust fall tonight. But here's, but here's the thing, right? I've been part of trust falls. I've been part of trust falls that maybe are a little bit less than 100% successful, right? But it's, no matter what happens, there's something about a trust fall that's just like, the only word to describe it, it's wild, right? Is it, I mean, it's like, I'm scared to death, slash, this is exhilarating, right? And it's like, you step up here, and you just, no, I'm not gonna do it, right? But it's like, but you, but you step up, you won't. You, what you call, chicken? No, I, I'm not that guy, right? But you, you get it ready for a trust fall. And you're, and you're falling, and as you're suspended in the air, as you're free falling, as you feel weightless, those seconds, they feel like eternity, and you're falling, and you realize that the entire move is dependent upon the person <laughs> that's at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, there's no real success. Like, I mean, you could have proper form, maybe, you know? Like, you could try to stay light, but at the end of the day, once you're gone, it's like, I'm standing, I'm standing, it's over. You become like Spidey, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you can, you can like hear the guy three tables down coughing and you hear like the lady stirring the milk at the can. It's like, and you're falling and you realize your fate, your, your end or lack thereof is completely dependent upon the person that is going to catch you. I want to raise the ante, okay? I want you to not imagine a trust fall. I want you to imagine the ultimate trust fall, okay? I want you to imagine, like, what would it be like if there was a do or die trust fall? I don't mean metaphorically. <laughs> I am not using figurative speech. I'm talking about, like, a literal. Imagine somebody asks you to volunteer for a do or die trust fall, right? Like, maybe instead of standing on here, maybe you were standing, like, on top of a cliff, right? And there were people a few steps below you, but, like, if you miss this trust fall, there's no plan B. <laughs> Imagine the ultimate trust fall, that if you were falling, if you miss it, there's no coming back. The do or die trust fall, what would go through your mind? 
Can you imagine as you fall, can you imagine as you feel weightlessness and you could hear your heartbeat like in your ears or like you ever like have a headache and you could like hear your, your heartbeat, you know, like that you're going down and you're like, I may die. This is do or die, literally. And you're falling and you just, and you're falling and you're falling. And then who knows what happens, right? Imagine the suspense that you would feel. Imagine that tension, that, that nervousness, all those things that you would feel as you knew this person determined your fate. We're continuing Ruth tonight. We're in our series, Beauties from Ashes, and I hope you like stories. Anybody like a suspense story? Anybody like a thriller, right? Anybody like, like watching movies or reading books that you know that you're going to have to like sleep with your mother, but you just like that feeling anyway? You're in for a treat tonight, right? You're in for a treat tonight because we're about to see a story where one of our main characters, Ruth, is about to take the ultimate trust fall. And we're going to see her step up. She's going to back up to the ledge. She's going to throw her arms out. And she's going to fall. And we're going to see what happens. Are you ready? I want you to open up your Bibles. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. Look at your notes. Follow along with me. Today we're going to see Ruth take the ultimate trust fall. If you got it, say, I got it. it. All right. If you got in your Bible, I don't mean like if you got like the feeling in your tummy. All right, here we go. Ruth chapter three, starting in verse one. Do you have it? Are you following along? You got your Bibles open? Are you sitting on the edge of your seats? All right, here we go. You ready? Ruth chapter three. Here we go. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Pause already. Time out. Who's talking here? Let's read it one more time. Read it one more time. Students, check it out. Here we go. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Who's talking here? Wait, what? Who's talking here? This is Naomi? Wait, this is the lady who came back from Moab and she was like, oh no, don't call me, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because I'd be straight up Mara, which meant bitter, right? Who's talking? No, 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 wait, wait. This is the lady whose life was in ashes and she came back and she was like, man, I went away full and now empty. This is the same lady? What happened between chapter one and now? Uh, Remember a couple weeks ago, Naomi, she has started to get a glimpse of God's good plan. Naomi, though she was bitter, she started to get a glimpse of God's sovereignty and she's starting to see that he's doing something. And now in verse one, you're starting to see her icy heart is becoming a little bit thawed, right? What once was as hard as as stone and ice, she's now a little bit warm, right? And she's starting to care for other people than just herself. Guys, there's good news there. I know how it is as teenagers. I know how how it is as just humans. There's those times in your life where you're feeling bitter. There's those times in your life where you're feeling despair. And I know what it feels like. It feels like I will never be over this. There's those times in your life that you go, man, I can't imagine ever not feeling the way I feel now. But here's the good news. Even when you're in those feelings, even when you're in the ashes and you can't imagine it going any other way, here's the good news. God doesn't give up on you. God is continuing to his plan. He's continually working. He's not giving up on you. He's doing his thing. He's he's still the God who makes beauty from ashes. And we see, just like in Naomi's life, 
if you hang around long enough, even though it feels like you could never get over this, God's goodness changes our hearts, right? And so if that's you today, if you're, if you're like, oh, don't call me Johnny, call me like sucks because my life sucks, right? It's like, all right, I know it feels like eternity, but it won't be like that forever, okay? And so that's what Naomi here, Naomi was bitter and now all of a sudden she's all chipper, right? Oh, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? She goes, Ruth, you're a widow. You're a widow. You need protection. You need provision. You need to get a new life started. Should I not seek rest for you? AKA, girl, you need a man. <laughs> All right? Oh, Ruth, should I not seek for you a husband? That's what she's saying, right? And so look what Naomi does. She She's going to come out here with a not-so-subtle question, and all the ladies in the room are going to have a friend that they know who Naomi's like, right? So she's like, Ruth, I should find a husband for you. Verse 2, verse 2, is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? Not so subtle, huh? Ruth, I should find you a husband. Anyway, in unrelated news, you know Boaz, <laughs> right? <laughs> you need a husband. Anyway, like, but besides that, like, uh, you know that Boaz guy? See what Naomi's trying to do here? Anybody see mate, matchmaker Naomi? She's starting to turn, right? A couple weeks ago, do you remember how we had, um, we had a nice little redeemer ceremony? Remember we married off a few of our seniors, um, and then they died, and then we redeemed them with their in-law, with their you know, family members, their relatives? So Naomi, a couple weeks ago, she realized that Boaz was a relative redeemer. Boaz was a man from the clan, and he had the ability to redeem her situation. And then it just so happened, right? The Bible says it just so happened it was Boaz's field that Ruth ended up in. Hmm. And it just so happened that Boaz, this man from the clan, had tremendous favor on Ruth. Hmm. It just so happened. Now, Naomi's not a rocket scientist, okay? Naomi's not sitting here with like this crazy complicated like calculus degree, but she's putting two and two together. Hmm, Boaz is a redeemer. He seems to have a lot of favor for you. Hey, you know that Boaz guy? See where she's going with this? All the matchmakers in the room are like, oh yeah, right? Let's keep going, right? So you look at Naomi, not so subtle. Look what she says. She says, Ruth, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. Everybody says, amen, wash, right? It's the mantra of middle school ministry right there. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make known, to, do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's go home. Okay. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo, check it out. So Naomi, we thought she was like all happy. We thought she was cool. She wants to help Ruth out. And now we realize, no, 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 she was just crazy, right? She was just crazy, right? She goes, she goes, Ruth, you know that Boaz guy? I'm going to come up with a plan. You ready for the plan? Everybody say the plan. 
Here's the plan. Step one, I want you to wash and perfume, okay? The technical word for wash here, it means to scrub your body, all right? I want you to cleanse yourself. I want you to immerse yourself. Take a bath, and then I want you to anoint yourself with perfume. It's, it's an oil. So what they would do is, um, how do I say this? Red zone didn't exist, right? Dove didn't come out with its secret yet. You know what I'm saying? Modern deodorant wasn't a thing. And so what they would do is they would take some oils and they would anoint themselves. They would rub oil for their appearance, but then also for their smell, right? And so Ruth, she's, she, Naomi is saying to Ruth, listen, listen, you know that Boaz guy? Oh yeah, anyway, an unrelated news, completely unrelated. I want you to go take a bath. I want you to, you know that really nice, you know, blue number five oil you have? You know that, that Chanel, Chanel oil you have? I want you to just take a little dab, a little behind the ears, a little here, a little there. I want you to, and then just pour the bottle on, you know, just a little, right? That's the middle school mode for how you put on, like, you know, the sprays. A little, you ever walk into a middle school cloud? You know, how many of you have walked into middle schoolers? What's the locker room like after gym class? Right? It's like you walk through with goggles, you know what I mean? Like, you like breathe through your mouth. And you're like, I don't think the Axe spray was meant to be cologne. It was like a body spray. Anyway, right? She's like, I want you to put on some perfume. What was Ruth wearing? Any guesses? What do you think Ruth has been wearing since chapter one? She's been put on what? Morning clothes. Why do you say morning clothes? Why would Ruth be wearing morning clothes? She lost her husband. Back in chapter one, her husband has died. And so the custom of the day was, I'm not going to go out with all my makeup done. I'm not going to put on my earrings. I'm not going to look good. I'm going to show the world by the way that I dress, I'm in mourning. And so it's like, yeah, she wore her sweatpants, ladies. You know what I'm talking about? It was one of those kind of seasons, right? And so she's dressed in mourning. She probably has some, she's like, amen. You're not mourning, sister. All right, you're not mourning. All right, so she's mourning. She's wearing the garb. She's not putting anointing oil on her face. There's no glistening here. She's, she's down. You know when you, when you see your friend and she comes out of the bathroom like an hour later? Or dudes, you see a guy come to, to class in the morning and you're like, were you crying? You know how you can tell like when somebody's face is puffy and you're like, are you crying? They're like, I wasn't crying, man. I had allergies, right? And you're like, uh-huh, okay, All right? That's what Ruth looked like. She was in mourning, but she's about to go see Boaz. And so Ruth, so Naomi says to Ruth, hey, uh, take off the mourning clothes. Hey, I want you to go put your makeup on. I want you to go and, and go smell nice, all right? Step one, wash and perfume. Ladies, can I talk to you for a moment? Let me talk to you for a moment, ladies. Listen, okay? In the Bible, right, our bodies are important, okay? Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with caring for our bodies and looking after our appearance and trying to look nice. Our bodies are a gift from God, and so we steward our bodies. There's nothing wrong with that. What Ruth is doing here, there's, there's no certain spirituality to not taking care of our appearance, right? There, there's, nothing, there's nothing like that. But here's what happens, ladies, all right? Our culture, it takes what God intended as good and it twists it. And now instead of just looking good because God has given us our bodies, we, our culture now twists it and it makes us become obsessive 
with our appearances, right? Our culture starts to put a pressure on you that says you need to look vain and you need to be obsessive about your appearance. Our culture, oh, ladies, listen to me. Our culture, it twists what is a normal, in, in, in the mind of the, in the, in the worldview of the Bible, what is a normal good thing, it twists it. And our culture fails to make the distinction between looking beautiful and looking seductive. All right? There's nothing wrong in the Bible. And all the guys are like, yes, please, right? There's nothing wrong with trying to look good. There's nothing wrong with taking care of our bodies. But when you become vain and obsessive and you start to blur the lines between beautiful and seductive, We've gone too far, okay? We've gone too far. So ladies, take care of your bodies. Look good, right? Be, you could be presentable. But let's continue to guard the line, all right? And that's what we do here as a community. We're growing together. We're learning what it looks like to live for Jesus. And so that's why we have those kind of talks here. Youth staffers and student leaders, we're always talking. We want to be presentable, right? We want to be presentable with the way that we look. So don't, let's, not, let's not lose that line here, right? So step one. What's step one? Wash and perfume. Step two, put on your coat and, I don't know, just go down to the threshing floor in secret. <laughs> okay, Naomi, this is getting kind of interesting. I want you to go to the threshing floor, but, um, oh, by the way, don't let anybody know you're there. Anybody ever, like, say, hey, do you trust me? Right? <laughs> hey, do you trust me? Uh, right, you immediately go, what's going on here, right? You're suspicious. Imagine if you were Ruth. And Naomi's like, hey, listen, Ruth, I want you to go wash and perfume. And then step two, I want you to take your coat and go down to the threshing floor in secret. Uh, all right, we'll do it secretly. Here's step three. Check it out, guys. Listen, oh, my goodness. This is like, I'm already sweating, right? Step three. I want you, after the meal, you're at the threshing floor incognito, right? After the meal, after Boaz Party hard, parties hard, right? Like after he's after he goes into a food coma. Anybody ever go into a food coma after Thanksgiving, right? You're like, yes, food coma, right? After he has all the rice and beans and chicken, and he's just like down and, and he's feasting. I want you to wait till he goes to sleep, wash and perfume, go to the threshing floor in secret. And step three, I want you to go and uh, lay down next to him. Oh, by the way, oh, I forgot to tell you, it's gonna be dark. And so before the lights go completely off, before the sun goes completely down, mark where he falls asleep because once it gets dark, you won't be able to see your hand in front of your face and you can't afford to uh, lay next to the wrong guy. How many people want to go on the Ruth plan? How many people want the biblical model of dating, right? How many people want to know how the Bible describes getting a husband, right? Step one, wash and perfume. Step two, go to the threshing floor. Step three... When everything goes pitch black, go and uncover his feet, pull the sheets up, pat, expose his feet there. Maybe he'll wake up from the breeze or something. And I want you to lay down right there next to him. I have one question. Naomi, are you crazy? Are you kidding? Do you feel the tension right now? Like you should not be feeling, oh yeah, that's a normal plan. I did that last week, right? <laughs> no, Naomi, are you crazy? Do you see what Naomi wants her to do? Do you understand what Naomi wants her to do? Naomi is saying to Ruth, I want you to go in such a way to Boaz that you are making a statement. You are making a statement to Boaz saying, I'm not mourning anymore. I'm ready to be married. And I'd like you to marry me. 
And all the ladies in the room were like, that's my plan, right? That's my plan when God brings the man from the clan, right? It's like, what? Naomi, are you crazy? Step one, wash and perfume, check. Step two, go to the threshing floor in secret, check. Step three, propose marriage to him. Well, that escalated quickly. Do you realize how dangerous this plan is? Do you realize all the things that could go wrong in this plan? Do I have to enumerate them for you, right? Here's the first thing that could go wrong, right? When was this book, when does this book take place? For 500 points. When does this book take place? In the, say it again. In the time of the judges. The time of the judges is a time of chaos where everybody is doing what they want to do. This is the time when men take what they want and they get what they want. Ruth, I want you to go in secret down to the guy's party, right? Go down to the locker room over there and uh, I want you to like lay down next to one of the dudes. What? This is dangerous. She's vulnerable. Look what else is on the line, right? Not only she can like approach the wrong man and be taken advantage of, what about her reputation? What if she doesn't stay in secret? What if people see her? What if people brand her as a prostitute? What if they see her and brand her as promiscuous? She'll never live that down. Her reputation is on the line. Her actions can easily be misinterpreted. Ruth, you're on trial. You uncovered his feet and laid down next to him. What were you trying to do? We know what you were trying to do. In pitch black, what were you trying to do? Oh, I was... Uh, I, I, my mother-in-law told me, yeah, right, get out of here, right? Like, her reputation can be misinterpreted. And then here's the biggest fear, and this is the one where, like, right now, guys, I don't think this is a good plan. What about Boaz's response? You're the CEO of a very profitable grain industry, right, on the farm, and you're going to sleep on, like, the most celebratory night. You guys are now raking in the heart. You worked hard, you sowed, you farmed, and now we get to bring in the income. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you're going to find a lady who is laying down at your feet? Who do you think you are? You're a Moabitess. What are you, I'm an Israelite. You're a Moabitess. You're an outsider. What are you doing? Oh my, hey, guards, turn the, get the torch. What, what is that? He could completely reject her. She's an outsider. He could be like, oh, you're one of those crazy ladies? Whoa, I was just being nice to you. Now you're reading all into it? What is this about? He could completely reject her. And friends, here's the reality here. Ruth's fate is completely dependent on Boaz's response. Ruth's fate is completely dependent on Boaz's response. Do you see that? Right? She has this plan, but she's going into a situation. She's putting herself in a position where she needs to rely fully on Boaz. Students, this is the ultimate trust fall. All right? Step one, step two, step three. And she's fallen. The weight of her whole life is falling. And friends, it's the ultimate trust fall because if this is a miss, if this doesn't work, there's no coming back. The guys in the video, they fell. You know, they go, oh, I got bumped my head. One guy, like, passed out <laughs> or died. I'm not sure. Um, 
But friends, this is the ultimate trust fall. If Ruth's plan doesn't work, she's, she's taking the weight of her life and she's falling completely on Boaz. Her fate is dependent on his response. There's no plan B. And so you're ready to see the trust fall? Let's see what happens. Check it out. We're in verse six. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. So they're in there and they're counting the grain and they're like, na, 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 and they're just doing the celebratory music. Na, 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 hey, and they got the grain. And they're like, ah, and we're eating and yeah, and drinking and this is awesome and hoorah, let's go to sleep, right? And it's like total just party because they're not going to go back. They're like, they have to guard the grain. They can't just like, like unshell all this grain and then leave and they come back in the morning and it's like, who stole all my grain? So they sleep there, right? It's a party. It's a, it's a celebration. So they take all the grain. They get the, the, not the nugget, the nucleus, and they, they put it there in a pile and he goes and he falls asleep, falls asleep next to the pile, okay? And then, and then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Notice how he doesn't even say their names. It doesn't say Boaz and Ruth. What does he say? The man and a woman. It's almost like this scene is so intimate. This scene is so secret that it's almost like we shouldn't even be here right now. We're just like a little fly on the wall, and it's in secret. So they use these generic terms, a man, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. It's pitch black, right? It's like you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And he rolls over and he stumbles and he feels, and he's going, what, what, what? Who are you? What, what, who are you? Do you remember Naomi's plan? She said, go and lay down at his feet. He will tell you what to do. She improvises. <laughs> she's nervous, right? It's pitch black. It's quiet out. And he goes, who are you? And she's, she can feel her heartbeat, right? It's in her ears right now. And she's nervous. And she's like, I, I, I don't know what to say. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have been here. This was a big mistake. Naomi mislaid me. I'm about to die. And so instead of just sitting quiet, she improvises. And she, she says something. She proposes marriage. I don't know what to say. Uh, will you marry me? Right? That's, that's what she does. Of all the things to say, she could have been like, uh, uh, no, uh, sorry, not a lady here. Uh, uh, right? Like, no. She says, look what she says. Look what she says. She goes, spread your wings over me. You're a redeemer. Where have we heard that phrase before? Spread your wings over me. Anybody remember? We gotta go back on memory lane. When Boaz first met Ruth in the fields, she was prancing. No, she wasn't prancing. She was more of like down and up. She was picking things up and putting them down. And she got a workout from all the grain that she, that she gleaned in the field. He met Boaz. She met Boaz. And do you remember what Boaz said to her? 
This is like every lady. Yo, Ruth is a G right now, all right? I'm, Ruth has bars. Because like every lady, it's like, I remember the first thing he ever said to me. We were in third period math class. And he was like, hey. And so you like write haze all over your notebook. You know what I mean? Yo, Ruth, she, she remembers that when she first met Boaz, Boaz said to her, listen, I quote, Boaz said to her, may you be blessed by the God under whose wings you have taken refuge. Remember the imagery of a bird pulling people in? There's a protection there, right? Come here, come under my wings, Victoria. Ah, come, right? No? You are not taking refuge under my wings. Shame on you, right? Ah, right? It's just like, he says, she, he says, you have taken refuge under the wings of God. May you be blessed by him. And what does Ruth say? Who are you? I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over me. You're a redeemer. She says, may the man who prayed that prayer now be a part of fulfilling it. <laughs> Boaz said, may you be blessed by the God under whose wings you've taken refuge. She turns it right back around. And she says, may the man who prayed that blessing over me be the one through whom God fulfills it. She says, you put me under your wings. You be my protection. You be my provision. Spread your wings over me. Boaz, marry me. You are a redeemer. What's going to happen? Right now, the camera's paused, and we're right here. Right here, right? She started here, and she's like right here and there. It's like Inception, where they're falling for like two hours, right? And like that van is still falling, right? As a matter of fact, wait. Yes, it's still falling, right? So Ruth, she's like, oh, 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 oh. I love the Inception soundtrack, right? It's like sick. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, good, good. So that's Ruth right now. And she's falling. And you're like, please hurry the story up because I want to know. She went in, dude. This is the ultimate trust fall. She just proposed marriage to the dude. And there's a million different possibilities, right? This can go bad like a million ways. But let's see, what, will his, what do you guys think his response will be? What do you think it'll be? Yeah, it could be that. He could just scream. Can you imagine they're like right there? Caleb, you're hilarious, dude. Can you imagine they're like in pitch black? He's like, who are you? I'm Ruth, marry me. Oh! <laughs> That's how I did it with my wife, right? That's kind of how it went. I was like, will you marry me? She was like, ah! I was like, yes, I want to be in your wings, right? I could be, but let's see how she responds, right? She is completely dependent on his response. She is all in. She has taken the leap. She is falling. Who are you? And look at the response. Look at verse 10. And Boaz said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, you have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. Students, Ruth took a leap of faith, but Ruth's faith lands her in Boaz's love and grace. Ruth's faith lands her in Boaz's love and grace. Boaz could have responded in a million different ways, right? 
I mean, this is just weird, right? This is not, in a few weeks when we talk about biblical marriage, we will not be visiting this text as a model, a prescriptive model, for you to find a husband and a wife, right? We will not do that. This is weird. And Boaz could have responded in a million different ways. But he looks at Ruth and he realizes, you could have gone after other men. You could have gone after younger men, whether they're poor or rich. They would probably look better than me. Boaz is an older man here. He's a, he's a kinsman redeemer. He's a man from the, their clan. You could have gone after other men. You could have went on and started another life. You could have went and find a nice Moabite man and settled down with. But instead, no. You have come to the one who you know could do something. You see what Ruth did? She could have gone to a million different sources. She could have trust fault onto a million different things. But she came to the one whom she knew could do something about her situation. She came to the one who she knew could redeem. She put her confidence in him. She put her faith in his character. Her complete trust led her to go all in. And Boaz looks at that and he says, that is beautiful. Friends, her faith wasn't misplaced. Remember how you're falling and your thought goes through your mind? I hope I did not misplace my trust. It's called a trust fall. I hope I didn't misplace my trust. I hope I didn't overestimate the trustworthiness of the one who's supposed to catch me. Ruth is falling, and all of those thoughts are going through her mind. And she hits his arms, and she lands in his love and grace, and she realizes, my faith in Boaz was not misplaced. Everybody exhale. Right? That's how it feels right now. All the tension from the story finally releases. And look what Boaz says. He says, though that you're an outsider, Ruth, though you don't belong here, though, they're, they, they, though you don't meet the qualifications of being an Israelite, he says, though you're an outsider, I will do for you all that you ask. And look at the next few verses. And now it is true. I am a redeemer. Yet, everybody say yet. Plot twist. I will, no, no, don't repeat everything, right? Come on. He goes, yes, I'm a redeemer. Yes, I will do for you all that you ask. But there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. As the Lord lives is like, that is the highest level of solemn swearing you can do, right? It's not like, I swear on like my bagel this morning. Like if I don't do it, you can have my bagel. He's like, no, no, as God is alive, that's how true it is that I will do this. Lie down until the morning. Plot twist. Remember the story here? Remember this, the scenario where Brianna and Isaac, they're up here, and it's like he dies, and so he needs a relative, somebody. He needs a man from the clan to come and redeem the situation, right? Remember? Boaz is a redeemer. He's a man from the clan. But he confesses something. He goes, yes, I'm a man from the clan, but there's actually somebody closer in line that should redeem you. What happens in Ruth? Like her heart stops, right? Ruth is already starting to play the music. Right? And she's like, but wait, there's actually someone else who's qualified before me. Come on, Boaz, just... 
Just pretend, man. Just do it. That's not Boaz, right? Boaz is an honorable man, remember? Boaz is a man of virtue, a worthy man. And so Boaz is going to do it right. And so he's, he yields. And he says, there's a relative who is closer in line. And so Ruth, I love you. I will redeem you. But we have to do this the right way. He's a man of integrity and honor. And so look what he says. He says, or, or what she does. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. It's still dark out, right? It's like you see shadows, but I don't know who it is. So she arises super early in the morning, and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. See what he's doing? He's still protecting her, right? He's protecting her reputation. He doesn't want this to be misrepresented. So he says, hey, I'm going to protect you. Nobody knows that you were here. And he said, bring me the garment that you're wearing and hold it out. So she, so she like, imagine she's wearing a coat, right? She takes off her coat. She brings it to him. And he measured out six measures of barley. Guys, come on. How much is a measure of barley, right? Isn't that awesome? You're like, uh, I missed that part in science class, right? This is a lot of barley, okay? He just gives her, like, a, imagine the huge pile. He takes care of her. He gives her a huge measure, and he puts it on her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Imagine Naomi, right? Like all night, she's like, oh my gosh, I just sent my daughter in there. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. My daughter's gonna die. Oh my gosh, I just sent her into a trap. What's this? <gasps> Opens the door. She comes in, and just like any old mother-in-law, tell me, what, how'd you fare? Right? I, my mother-in-law doesn't sound like that. I, that was weird. Tell, tell me, how did you fare? I don't know, but she was like, anticipation, right? How did you fare? And you just imagine Ruth, Ruth imagine, you know what I would do if I was Ruth? I'd walk in, and Naomi's like all frantic. I'd go, eh, it was okay, right? <laughs> right? It's like so you guys, when you come home from school, right, from a big test. You were, fr- you were, you were stressing out all day, Eleni. How'd it go? It was all right. What? Tell me more. What? And so Ruth, finally, she comes, and she goes, I'm just kidding. Let me show you. And she doesn't tell her how it went. She shows her <laughs> the measure of barley. Oh, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. And you see, and she tells her all that, that Boaz has said, and she shows her the gift from Boaz, and she says, Boaz told me to not go back empty-handed to my mother-in-law. Anybody see the beautiful picture there? Why did Naomi change her name a couple chapters ago? She said, I went, back, I went to Moab full, and I came back empty And now Boaz, he's a G, he tells Ruth, hey, bring this to your mother-in-law. Don't go back empty-handed. And this gift, this this huge influx of barley is now like a picture. This sign of, this this bag or this cloak of, of, of grain is a sign of what God is doing in Naomi's life. Just as she was empty, but now he brings her all this grain in the same way God is redeeming Naomi's situation. I told you way back in chapter one, this is a story about Naomi. We're going to meet Ruth. We're going to meet Boaz. But ultimately, this is Naomi's redemption story. And so right now, at the end of this crazy scene, after the daring plan, Boaz gives her an extravagant pledge. And he goes, give this to your mother-in-law. And he gives her a demonstration of his promise. And so when Naomi, when she sees the gift, she goes, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He means business. Talk is cheap. Wow, he gave you this? He's going to do what he said he's going to do. 
And then she ends this narrative. Look what she says. She says, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For this man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. She says, you know what, Ruth? I know that was a crazy night. Just wait. Everybody go like to say, just wait. Just wait. You'll see. He's going to do what he has to do. And so you and I have to wait until next week. And we'll see what happens with Boaz after this commercial break. No, 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 right? But we got to wait. We got to see. Come back next week. We'll see the story. Boaz, he says, I will take care of this. Let's wait. And so students here, is that not an epic story? Is that not sick? But here's the thing, friends. You see, you see the story of Boaz and Ruth. You see the story of a virtuous man, a trustworthy man, and an honorable woman who put her faith in that man. And friends, this is not a Disney story, okay? I don't want you to go home to your parents and they say, what did you learn? We learned a really cute story about a man and a woman. No, 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 no. that's not what it's about, all right? This is more than a cute Disney story, friends. This relationship, as is every healthy marriage supposed to do, which we're going to learn about in a few weeks, Ellie said, we're starting a new series on marriage and dating. It's called Carry On, okay? And we're going to talk about this there. But friends, the way that God designed marriage to be was that a relationship between a man and a woman would be a picture of Jesus Christ and his people, the church. And so friends, when we see Ruth and Boaz, you know what we see here? We see a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us and of how his people are supposed to respond in faith to him. Students, listen to me here, okay? Listen, because this is what Jesus has done, okay? Jesus came to earth, and though all of us, every single one of you, from the smallest sixth grader to the most mature senior to the young adult to the oldest person in the room, we were born as slaves into sin, all right? This is not theological This is reality. We know it in our heads, but we also know it to be true in our own lives. We're born addicted to sin. But Jesus Christ came to earth, and he came ready to spread his wings over us. Jesus Christ, like Boaz, is ready to come and redeem your situation. He's willing to come to you guys, and he's willing to make beauty from ashes. And so what Jesus Christ does, he came, and because he died on the cross, and because he was resurrected, and because he's still alive today, he comes and he is willing to forgive you of your sins. He's willing to give you a new purpose in your life. He's willing to take the pile of ashes that were your life and make them into something beautiful as you live for him. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. And what's left for you to do, what's left for me to do, is to put our trust in Jesus. What's left for us is to come to this man and to stop stop relying on yourself, students. Stop looking at your situation thinking that you can get on by yourself. Stop looking at your situation and saying, I can do me. I can take care of me. I can take care of myself. I'm gonna make it just fine in my life. And I know my pastor and my parents, they want me to be good little boys and girls, but I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna do me. Stop relying on yourself.
Stop trusting in your own situation. Stop thinking that you can do it. Friends, you come to Jesus Christ, just as Ruth did, and you abandon yourself. You let the weight of your life fall completely on Jesus Christ. Students, let your fate be completely dependent on Jesus. And as you do this, students, I promise you, the, st- the staffers in here, we can tell you stories. We can tell you our own life stories. Friends, when you put your faith in the Redeemer, you realize that faith in Christ is never misplaced. You're following and you go, man, I, I, what, if, what if I misplaced my trust? What if this person is not trustworthy to catch me? What if I've went all in and I made a trust fall, but this person isn't trustworthy? Friends, faith in Christ is never misplaced. Because when you rely on Jesus, your faith will always land you in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Students, there's a redeemer for you. And his name is Jesus Christ. Students, this is why we do what we do. We don't come here to put on a show. We don't come here to sing songs. We don't come here to put on a face and pretend like everything's okay. The reason why we're here, the reason why every single one of you is in this room is because we have need of the Savior. We have need of the Redeemer. Faith in Christ is never misplaced. And my question for you today, students, don't tune me out here. Listen to me. My question for you is this. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, he's trustworthy. Okay, if I ever need him, I'll call. No, no. Do you trust him with your life? Some of you in here have gone public with your faith, right? Some of you in here have gone the ultimate trust fall into a baptismal tank, right? That's what we should do. Instead of like baptizing people and holding them, just trust fall into the water and then I pick you up. But I mean, you've done that. You've put your faith in Jesus and you've gone public. But you know as well as I do, there's times in your life where you're tempted to take back your trust. You're tempted to go, "Uh, I, I don't know if he's really got me. And your anxiety and your stress and your worry and your lack of faith and your doubt, all those things, you go, can I trust Jesus with even this? And every season of life, every grade of school, every next level brings new things into your life. And the question for those of you who have gone public with your faith, do you trust him? Your faith in him will never be misplaced. But then there's some of you in this room that maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna be honest. I've never actually put my faith in Jesus. I've never actually come to a place where I can trust him with the weight of my life. I've never come to a place where I stop relying on me and I, and I say, you know what? My lot is with him and my fate is completely dependent on him. And if that's you in this room, like if you're there, I don't care if you grew up in church, I don't care if it's your first time, but if you're here and you've never rested the weight of your life on Jesus, please do it. Put your faith in Jesus experience the the, the feeling of of going all in, but then having your faith met with love and grace and realize that he accepts you into his family and he forgives you of your sins. He gives you a new purpose. He gives you a new community. He moves his spirit inside of you and you live the way that you were meant to live. Do you trust him? Do you trust him?